You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. I wonder if you've been down the new road to Belfast recently? And well, if you haven't, if you haven't, if you go down the road, there's a lovely new road that maybe will get done at some point. But on either side of the road, as you, as you go down, you'll see lots of trees planted, won't you? And the trees will have a stake beside them as well to, to ground them in the ground, isn't it? To stop the tree from maybe falling with the, the, the lie of the land or to make sure the roots don't end up uprooted or uh, that the wind doesn't blow them off. They, they need a stake to plant them in the ground and to hold them upright and firm. And whenever we were growing up, we had to put in trees and we put in stakes in the ground of the trees. But also with flowers and different things, as many of you will know that sometimes people love to have nice trellises in their garden and make up part of their garden. And well, we tried to grow a sweet pea. You know, a sweet pea, you, you plant it in the springtime and you try and feed it through the, the structure of the trellis. And it's that, that picture of, of a plant growing through the trellis that we want to keep in our minds this evening. The sweet pea, or you might see it in the vineyard in your holiday, maybe where the, the, the vineyard goes on and on and on, but the structure's in place to allow the vine to, to grow. And while this trellis and vine idea, or the trellis and sweet pea, if you like, if we picture the trellis as the church, the structure on which everything goes on that allows what to grow, the gospel to grow, for the church as it were, the people within it to grow. So the trellis is the structure, the church itself, uh, and the vine is the gospel, the, the, the good news as it goes out. So eventually, although you, you build your, your trellis and you plant the sweet pea and it grows, eventually, as was not the case in our house, eventually the plan was that you admire the sweet pea, you admire the plant much more than the trellis itself, that you admire the gospel Jesus much more than you see the church itself. Because tonight, as we look at Acts 6, we want to learn that an organized church allows the gospel to grow. An organized church allows the gospel to grow. And this is where we're going to turn to tonight in Acts chapter 6. And please have your Bibles open in front of you. We'll flick uh, a couple of pages back and so on uh, later on. But this organized church, this organization that had to be done by the apostles, how does it come about? Well, the the reason it comes about is that there was a problem, wasn't there? There was a problem. You see, we might think that the early church, whenever Jesus has just left, as the church is growing magnificently, we might think that everything's pretty easy and dandy. But it's not plain sailing for the church at all. There's difficulties from outside, but there's also difficulties from the inside. Outside, we know, there's a persecution. So just back in chapters uh, 3 and uh, into 4, we had the, uh, Peter and John being arrested and before the council, and they were told to be silenced. They were being persecuted. And then at the end of ch chapter 5, and from verse 17, you'll see that the apostles are arrested again, and they are beaten. They are told to be, go, go quietly or to top, stop talking about Jesus. So yes, there's a really obvious persecution. And then we know later Paul will be arrested. But inside the church, there's problems too, isn't there? the beginning of chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they let on, they sold the field for £100 and they only give 70 whatever it was. There's problems inside the church. Why is there problems inside? It's because of sin, isn't it? 
And, through, and Paul, in his letters, he will deal with different issues. Why? Because, well, sinful people, like us, will always have sinful responses, won't we? And Paul has to deal with us. So there's difficulties from outside the church and inside. But this particular problem, we find it in verse 1 of chapter 6, there is that widows are being neglected or widows are being overlooked. You see, what had happened was there was this immense growth so, after the Pentecost, there were a numbered 3,000 people, 3,000 souls at the, the end of chapter 2. And then uh, at the end of, of ch- chapter, or if, in the middle of chapter 5, sorry, and verse uh, 12, that there was many signs and wonders, and that in verse 14, and more than ever, believers were being added to the Lord, multitude of men and women. So, there's at least 3,000, and here's a multitude beyond numbers. This church is growing and growing and growing, and it leads to this problem. So in Jerusalem, there are the Jews. There are the Hebrew Jews, those who've been always there. But then as Israel had expanded, as people moved for different reasons and have come back, the ones that had moved and come back were the Greek Jews. So they probably spoke Greek and the others Aramaic, okay? And these Greek Jews are now back in Jerusalem, And well, they are part of the church. They've been converted. They trust in this Messiah, Jesus, who died and rose again. And well, to care for this growing church, it's really difficult. It's it's getting harder and harder as the church grows to care for it properly. So if we think of of the vaccine rollout at the moment, you can uh, be in awe of all the logistics behind it and how well they've done and getting everybody organized to do that. But think of all the technology that we have today. it's crazy. But it's really, really difficult here for the apostles. The widows are being neglected. And that's a problem for a number of reasons. One of them being this. In the Old Testament, Israel to be different from everybody else. Israel to show God's love and concern for the most vulnerable. Well, who are the most vulnerable? The orphans and the widows. Israel's be different in that way. God's people were to look after the widows they needed to care for. So what's the problem? Why are they being overlooked? Could it be a a racial problem, an ethnic thing? You can imagine it, can't you? You know, there's me, a good Hebrew Jew. I've never left. Family's never left Jerusalem. Who do they think they are coming back from wherever they were? Cyprus and coming back over to us. They only think they're coming here now. You can imagine maybe the tension there could have been. But it's less likely to be that and more likely an oversight. Because you can imagine different languages, hard to interpret. Perhaps, isn't that right? You know, you be speaking to a Greek Jewish widow and ask, do you need any help? And her saying, no, 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 I'm okay, thanks. But in reality and translation, that is, I could do with a little bit of a hand. We all know people like that, don't we? Oh, I don't need any help. But in reality, you do. And that was maybe one of the problems here. We don't know. Maybe there's mixed signals, the language barrier. But the problem, widows being neglected. Why is it a problem? Because, well, widows couldn't work. There's no opportunity. They needed cared for. And they weren't. That's the problem. But the apostles looked to fix the problem with the solution. You know, it's the, like the classic saying, a, a stitch in time saves nine. Well, here, the solution will prevent further pollution. 
the solution to this problem to prevent the church uh, unraveling itself, as it were? Well, how do they, they provide the solution for this problem? Well, in verse 2, they, they gather the church to organize, don't they? It seems so simple just to gather everybody together and to organize it. Yet it is what works, as we'll discover. That is their, their solution. The people together, the church, those who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, as they come together, what it is in verse 3, they are to pick out people to serve, to serve tables. And those who are going to be chosen and voted for, as it were, they have a responsibility to the church, don't they? But also the people voting have a responsibility. It's not right? If they pick some dose to go and do it, it's not going to be done well, and there's going to be more problems. So why, what, do I, what do they have to do? Well, there's qualifications, isn't there? These people that have to be picked are told that they have to be men full of the Spirit, men full of the Spirit. You see, we might think that's just for elders. It's actually for all of God's people, to be people full of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that they are Jesus followers. It means that they take Jesus seriously. It means that in every part of their life, they are seeking to follow Jesus. They look to God's Word, and they're able to apply it to themselves. That's what it means to be men full of the Spirit, people who are godly, seeking to be Christ-like and following Him closely. So in all of our service, whether it be practical, like serving tables, or elders especially, we are to be Christ-like, godly, full of the Spirit. We need to be in God's Word with God's people. And whenever the church gets to decide, it's really interesting who they choose, isn't it? They choose men from different, all kinds of backgrounds, men from different backgrounds, you see the list of names in verse 5. Stephen, Philip, uh, I'm not going to go through them all, but you have them there. And these are, are mostly Greek names. Why is that significant? These guys could speak to the Greek widows, couldn't they? If they've had the language, they can speak with them and to them. And, well, look at the, some of the names there. There's Nicholas, who's converted. He was a pagan from Cyprus, but he's come in, and now he is one of God's people. There is Stephen, a man who is full of the Spirit, as we'll see in the next chapter, his wonderful sermon, and he's stoned. Stephen becomes a preacher. Philip, by the end of Acts, is described as an evangelist. Yes, these men helped practically. That's where they started off, as it were. They were men full of the Spirit, and they grew. As they worked with the apostles, they grew, they helped practically, and eventually they stepped up because they are men full of the Spirit. They are men who are Christ-like and seek to be Christ-like. And verse 6, the apostles lay hands on them, and since they were given the church's confirmation of, of their calling to go and do this, it was a prayer that gave them the authority to go and to do. That, that is why they do it, is to, to show the people, these are the seven men that are going to be the solution to this problem, this practical problem that we have, these men are going to be the solution. These men are going to help us get through this. We are organizing the church. Why are we organizing the church? Why are we getting these men 
to go and do this? Is to give the apostles an easy time because they couldn't be bothered doing stuff for the widows? No, it's not that. They organized the church so that the church could keep the priority. The church needed to keep its priority. See, this organized church, it helps the apostles. It can be very easy for them, you can imagine, to be chasing after all kinds of things. They could be chasing after all the practical things, running, running around, doing loads of things, and forgetting about Jesus. But the organized church helps the apostles. What does it help them to do? What does this organization, as they send them off to do, help them to do? Well, it allows them to keep the priority, and it's hinted in verses 2 and 4 here, the priority of praying and preaching. They say it's not right that we should get off preaching in the Word of God to serve tables. And then in verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. See, this organization that they do of the church to help them fix the structure of the trellis is to allow the Word of God to go. If they were stuck serving tables, that's taking their time away from praying and preaching. It's really good leadership that they're not, as it were, wasting their energy and other stuff. Their priority is to preach the Word. And if you cast your eye up just a few verses into chapter uh, five and verse 49 and when they had called in the apostles they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of jesus then they left the, the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy and suffered dishonor for the name and every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that jesus is the christ or christ is jesus that was what their job was as well. That was their calling to preach Jesus every day, day after day, house to house, going from place to place to teach about Jesus, to preach. And if they had to run after all the widows as well and to figure out what the, the issue was here and serve tables, what were they going to neglect? They were going to neglect a district perhaps or, or some houses. They weren't going to be able to spend their time and their energy preaching the word. They have two priorities, and it's interesting even the order, isn't it? Praying and preaching. Devoting themselves to pray as they, they prayed over Scripture, as they tried to understand that Jesus in the Old Testament, that they were proclaimed to the Jews who knew it so well, how were they going to apply it to people's hearts? How were they going to show Jesus in all of Scripture? They had to pray hard over it. They prayed over the Scripture and they prayed over the saints that they would have boldness to go and proclaim Jesus, praying for the saints and their, their difficulties and their problems, praying for the saints, eh, that others, their family, praying that others would come to know Jesus, that God's Spirit would work in people's hearts as they preached. See, preaching is really important for the apostles. That's what they go from house to house. They don't cease to do it. They do it because, well, God's Word must be opened and explained. You must get to Jesus and his word and him dying on the cross and rising again. Why? Because, well, good works won't save anybody. You can serve all the widows you like. 
But you needed to bring them to the Word, don't you? We can help its endless number of situations. We can look after constantly over the homeless people, and that is right to do so. We can look after poverty, money issues. We can look uh, over children and addiction, all kinds of issues and things that is good to look after. But they need to be meeting God in His words. Good works will not save anybody. Caring for people, befriending people will not save anybody. Who will? It's Jesus. So their ministry, yes, they're serving at the table, serving the church, but the end is to always get to Jesus. And that's the same in any organization or anything that we should do. This organized church helps the apostles do what they're supposed to do, to prevent the misuse of their time and other things, to not be chasing up all the practical things. And we kind of have a structure like this in the Presbyterian church, don't we? In church, we have our elders that look after the spiritual matters, and then we have our committee that looks after the practical things. And that's a really important role because it allows the elders to, to pray and to preach. So let's take an example. Coronavirus situation, measuring two meters, getting everybody in through the door, spraying hands, organizing all the logistics. It's the committee or others who do that, isn't it? It's not really me or David squirting your hands often or organizing, make sure the building's all set up for different things. It's the church, part of the church. It's not that the role is any less or less important but allows the priority of preaching and the praying of God's Word. See, I'm not saying that serving widows is a pointless task or a waste of time. I'm not saying that. But the pattern throughout all of Scripture is to pray and to preach. Paul goes into somewhere, a city. He doesn't sort out all their problems socially. What does he do? He preaches and he teaches. And this organization allows the apostles to have the priority in their preaching, not their priority looking after practical things. They aren't neglecting their duty or their calling. If they were to neglect preaching and teaching, that would be to the detriment of the church. It would be poor, a bad thing. It would lead to stunted growth, wouldn't it? If they're preaching day by day, all day, every day, and they split that in half, it's obviously going to be stunted growth, isn't there? They're not getting around the same number of people. They have their priority in setting up this structure. And what is the result? Whenever they have the trellis in place, as it were, what is the result? Well, we know whenever you have a problem, solutions don't always work. Businesses always talk about turning a cruise liner, and they'll always need more time to see the result. And what is the result whenever the church is organized? Look at verse 7. It's growth from God's blessing, isn't it? What could have led to division? The Greek uh, Jewish widows and the, the Hebrew Jewish widows, as it were. Couldn't Satan have used that to divide the church, drive a wedge between them, one side bickering over the other? And the apostles could have said, right, go your separate ways. But they don't say that. Why? Because, well, the church is one body, united to Christ, multilingual, multicultural, and that is why they organize it to make sure there isn't that division, there isn't that. 
They keep the main thing the main thing. And God blesses the church. They keep Christ and his word center. And the sweet pea flourishes, doesn't it? There's immense growth. What happens? The word increases. The disciples multiply. Priests become obedient. Literally, the word increases as the word grows. The gospel grows. It goes out, it goes further. And what happens when the word goes further, whenever they are able to, to have their time in God's word and to preach it, what happens? Disciples multiply. God through a spur converts people. There is gospel fruit. And even priests, humble priests perhaps like Zachariah and Simeon, humble priests who recognize that what they're hearing is true. This is the Messiah in the Old Testament. Because they've been able to spend time praying and preparing and preaching, they're able to show Jesus clearly in the Old Testament that priests, humble priests, would come and be obedient, that they too would follow Jesus. An organized church, it allows the gospel to grow. An organized church whose priorities are right allows the gospel to grow. And in all of our service, we need to be godly. It's not just the men serving the tables here or just the apostles or the elders, but it's all of us, committee included. The committee is that practical element of the, the arm of the church that helps and provides in different ways. And in all that we say and do, we keep what the priority, Jesus and his word. We're not building a fancy trellis that we can say to everybody, look at our trellis. Look at our church. Look how magnificent it is. Isn't that a lovely wooden structure off to the side? No. We're not looking to build our name, are we? We're not looking to build Union Road's name and lights and light it up. We want people to see the people in the church in all that we do, practically, yes, in our as we minister uh, mercifully to others, but we want them to see is not the trellis, but the fruit of the vine. We want them to see Jesus. We want them to hear the gospel, that they would be part of that fruit. Because the church ceases to be the church when the priority is not preaching and praying, whenever the priority is not Christ and his word. The trellis is the church. It needs to be organized. It needs to be put into place. Why? That the gospel would go. That the gospel would reach throughout the, 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 the trellis, out and out, so that there'd be fruit in Christ. We need to keep the priority. An organized church keeps the priority. We all serve together, pulling in one direction, as it were, to allow the elders to pray and to preach. And what happened when the apostles had all their time praying and preaching? God blessed them. Let us build Christ's church. Let us build through the power of the gospel, through the words of Jesus, not through our ministry or how good we are at certain things, but to his praise, his glory, his name. God, people may be added to your number.